Blog Talk Radio. Greetings. In recent months, we've heard about many multinational law firms and their attorneys being the subject of federal probes and accusations for violating RICO laws. This episode will be no different, except what we're doing is we've called upon a federal investigation and a probe into the practices of the law firms of Cozen and O'Connor and GT Law. And we believe that we have the evidence and information available that will assist the United States Attorney General and the FBI in their investigation. To that extent, we want to start the show by catering, if you will, to some of our lay people who may not know what the term RICO means or what it stands for. In that regard, it was a piece of legislation passed in 1970 called the Racketeer Influence and Corrupt Organization Act. It was originally intended to be used to dismantle and break down and criminalize the acts of what we know to be the mob or the mafia. Today, as I previously stated, it is being used to bring down large law firms who serve to aid illegal operations and organizations and everything from fraud to wire and mail fraud to money laundering, et cetera. In this regard, the accusation that's being lodged against these two law firms are substantiated by emails and communications within and between these law firms, for which I happen to be blind copied on, and I guess they were not aware of that. That's what happens when you're a multinational law firm and you do not take heed to practices to secure your email system. To that end, allow me to start by giving you some background on how these accusations came about. As many of you are aware, GT represents or one of the law firms that represent Walmart's claim management or CM and they are a subsidiary of Walmart that handles generally on behalf of the Walmart employees or employers, workman compensation claims and other issues pertaining to product and strict liability for products that Walmart places into the stream of commerce. Coven, however, represents a South African and Canadian company called Muscle Tech, also known as iVote health sciences, and they place products such as Six Star into the stream of commerce to be sold. Interesting to note that this South African company has been the subject of many class action lawsuits and allegations about false advertisement, as well as knowingly, willingly, and intentionally placing toxic products into the stream of commerce that generally target the minorities, specifically African-American community, with products like protein-based products to help individuals who either supplement their incomes with protein and or engage in the muscle-building capacity. Typically, you will find their product in Walmarts that generally target minority communities and not predominantly white communities. Why is this important? We know the history of South Africa. We know the racism of South Africa. And we know what apartheid did, not just to the people in terms of their physical being and economically, but in allegations that pertain to poisoning individuals in terms of food, medicine, water systems, etc. So where you have an industry like this, that is knowingly, willingly, intentionally, wantonly, and maliciously placing products that are toxic, that kill individuals into the stream of commerce in the United States, and those products are targeting a specific group or race, that calls into question everyone's practices, if you will. Now, having had that background, allow me 
to give you some general information so that we know what we're dealing with and how we're going to deal with it, what type of fraud or conspiracy has these law firms engaged in that should warrant an FBI investigation and ultimately indictment. We know that RICO could either be prosecution, criminal prosecution, or civil complaints that are generally filed that result in class action. We've asked for the FBI to step in in an effort to move forward with criminal charges against specific attorneys to include but not be limited to Mr. Rosenbaum, who is over GT, Mr. Ernest Greer, who is one of the boys employed in the Atlanta office, black boy, and then you have at the other law firm, Cozen, you have Mr. Michael Heller, H-E-L-L-E-R, along with another boy he has there, C. Wilson, who heads up, I believe, the Dallas or the Houston office. And then you have, I believe the last name is spelled T-I-G-N-E-R. So I believe it's Tigner, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. You will also have a Miss Farrell. She's out of the Atlanta office for Cozen, Stacy Farrell, as well as, and I cannot pronounce this gentleman's name, I think it's going to be Zeminski, Z-I-E-M-A-N-S-K-I. Those are the individuals that are named in specific and particularity in the email communications along with the general counsel, Roth Valencourt, or Villancourt, depending upon the phonics. He is the general counsel for the six-star muscle tech IHS company, along with Victor So, S-O, and for the Walmart side, you have Karen Roberts, Gregory Penner, Redfield, you have a Jennifer Kappen, and a host of others on the CMI and Walmart side that are named in these email communications. And that is critical to establishing this conspiracy and then moving forward with fraud. And what is the conspiracy? What is the fraud that they were attempting to do? Through these email communications, they were not privy that I was receiving through blind copy. And because they do not state that they're confidential communications, obviously I can legally have access to them. It was not an attorney-client communication between them and their client. Rather, it was a communication that was disseminated to their attention from me in which they were not aware, I presume, when they responded that I was still on the copy. And it is through that that the FBI doesn't get caught up, whether you deem it confidential communications or not. They're not confidential. It didn't state that it was confidential. And this is what happens when you harass individuals and send them emails at 10, 11, and 12 o'clock at night, despite them asking you to cease and desist. To that end, these communications clearly establish as a matter of law that these individuals and their corporate capacity and individual capacities knowingly, willingly, and intentionally willfully, maliciously, and wantonly engaged in defrauding the American people about the toxicity of a product made by IHS, placed into the stream of commerce by Walmart, that they knew had high toxic levels that could ultimately result in the death of the American consumers. That at all times, these lawyers in their individual and in the corporate capacity, knowingly, willingly, intentionally, and maliciously, were choosing to ignore 
information about the knowledge, or shall I say knowingly conceal material information about the knowledge of the toxicity of this product, that they knowingly, willingly, intentionally, and maliciously repackage the product in a way that would deceive the American consumers and not advise them as to the iron toxicity levels of the product and or give them the proper warnings pertaining to the iron toxicity, that in the course of these email communications, particularly on the GT side, if you will, as well as COSIN, that they knowingly, willingly, intentionally, and wantonly engaged in and continue to engage in delays communicating through intra-office communications to the extent that originally the goal was never to even inform the public of these findings, but I would presume, based on the communication from Mr. Tegna, T-I-G-N-E-R, that the goal was to, quote-unquote, ignore all communications completely. So through ignoring the communications, you are suggesting and or implying that the ultimate goal is if we pretend that the matter doesn't exist, and we can therefore conceal the knowledge and information that we have, then the general public will not have access to it. And if we pretend that we don't know that there is a problem, then ultimately we do not have to prepare our client to make the necessary changes. Now, we are all familiar with the American Bar Association model rules, or in particular, rules that apply on a state basis for those who do not adopt the ABA standards. And we know that law firms can and will, as attorneys do, educate and advise their clients accordingly. But that isn't what was transpiring here. Because as attorneys, the number one rule is never, never, ever assist your client in committing fraud or crime or knowingly assist them in concealing material facts. So even when dealing with third parties or opposing sides or tribunals, you have an ethical responsibility not to engage in the practices that they had been engaged in for several months. And it is a common pattern and a practice. And we're going to elaborate on that a little later on in this episode. But for purposes of establishing the fraud and the conspiracy, I think these email communications and the pattern and the practice in which they were communicating, including but not limited to the delays in communications, the responsive emails or lack thereof, suggest and imply that they were engaged in this fraud, that there was a conspiracy to defraud, and more importantly, to conceal material information and evidence about the toxicity of this product that they knew was causing grave illnesses and death. And we should all be concerned about that. In order for a conspiracy to transpire or for RICO to apply, it generally states that two or more instances of racketeering must take place, that the individuals either must be directly invested in or maintain an interest in or participate in a criminal enterprise. And so from every section of RICO, from 1961 moving forward, and you clearly get an understanding that the fraud also includes but is not limited to tampering with witnesses, informants, or victims. Well, here where you have an individual or individuals who have been victims of the toxic outcomes of these products, 
and these individuals have suffered from the toxicity of these products, they are, they're actually victims. And when you engage in certain abusive acts, like send an email communication to them to threaten, harass, and or intimidate them at 10, 11, and 12 o'clock in the evening hours, as attorney T-I-G-N-E-R has done on numerous occasions, despite being asked to cease and desist. When you engage in these type of abuses with the intent to intimidate, harass, and abuse a victim, almost as if to suggest or imply that these threatening tactics would cause this individual not to go forward with his or her claims against your client. I don't know an attorney yet that would initiate communications with a victim of this type of case at 9, 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night. Now, yes, the state of Texas operates on a different time zone, but even that hour differential If it's 10 o'clock your time at night, you know it's 9 o'clock at their time, and surely you know or have reason to know when they ask you to cease and desist, that's exactly what you should be doing. But instead, you continue with the pattern and the practice to which your own CEO, Heller, is on the email communications out of the New York office, and Stacey Farrell out of the Atlanta office, and the little boy that you have working for you, the little African-American boy, C. Wilson, is named on those emails as well. So at all times, no one knew that you were engaged in these activities. On the contrary, they all knew that you were engaged in these activities because even when brought to their attention, none of them asked for you to cease and desist. Those abusive tactics where you were knowingly and willingly targeting a victim of these particular claims with hopes to intimidate, harass, and threaten them in a way that they would remain silent about the toxicity and the harm that this product has and continues to cause while being placed in the stream of commerce through the Walmart company. Now, to that end, RICO also addresses many, many, many other unsavory business practices. One of the unique things about RICO is the mere fact that any purported misconduct that the feds want to allege, they can put it under RICO. It will find its way under Section 1961, particularly where lawyers are covering up knowledge of a toxic product, where lawyers are engaged in a pattern and a practice of fraud and gross misrepresentation, where lawyers are knowingly and willingly engaging in acts toward a victim or a claimant to prevent them from moving forward with a viable claim, where they are knowingly engaging these individuals in criminal activity or in furtherance of criminal activity, where they are knowingly, willingly engaging in creating unjustifiable delays and communicating with victims. Now, surely no one can ever, ever, ever force a hand of an insurance company. You're not supposed to. And good lawyering wouldn't require that you do so. But where the rubber meets the road is where you create these unjustifiable delays and you're engaging in threatening and intimidating and malicious communication with the intent to cause fear or invoke fear or silence another problematic. When you're knowingly, intentionally 
technical error. I've never had that in the almost nine years that I've been on air where the line just drops. But nevertheless, where I was is stating this. We often go out our way to request for black leadership in major companies and entities. Black leadership in and of itself means nothing where you have boys that are afraid to be men and take a stand for what they know is right. And so Greer being African-American and Wilson being African-American, knowingly a sitting idol, knowing that this particular product by IHS, Six Star, has been placed into the stream of commerce and that it is knowingly targeting areas where Walmart sells to African-Americans. Now, here's the Hillary effect on all of this. To request an FBI probe against the future president of the United States and her relationship to Walmart is of interest. Because to ask for these law firms to be subject to a federal probe based on these practices raises a red flag. Now, in 2013, Walmart was subject to a RICO class action, but it wasn't one that the federal government had initiated. Rather, it was through a civil claim that initially started because they violated in the state of Colorado, according to the district court, the rules under the workman compensation. Walmart is the, has a subsidiary called CMI, which is the claim management, which they own and they operate. That company is responsible for workman compensation claims, as well as other claims that might fall under product liability, strict liability, et cetera. They settled that class action lawsuit only because they lost a summary judgment proceeding as it pertained to those issues that were raised and the fraud and the conspiracy that were raised and how they were mismanaging the handling of the claimants who were their employees who were subject to workman compensation. If Hillary Rodman Clinton becomes president of the United States, because her number one contributor to her campaign is Alice Walton, and Alice Walton obviously being a billionaire heiress to the Walton clan, would Hillary, in fact, allow for the FBI to move forward with such a claim and or the appointee of her United States Attorney General? What about the role of the F? So everything from the FDA to the FBI to the USDA would all be, if Hillary is, in fact, the President of the United States, she would be responsible for appointing these people. And this is where you have these conflicts, right? Because where you have presidents and you don't have this type of campaign regulation, where a company like a Walmart, who's a worldwide conglomerate, thanks to the Clintons, because they only built on that relationship when the Clintons first entered office in the 90s and continued that effort through benefits of NAFTA the, uh, you know, and, ex and other programs and procedures and acts that the Clinton administration put into law, how then do we trust, particularly the African-American community who's being adversely affected by these type of practices where Walmart is knowingly and willingly placing into the stream of commerce these types of products that are targeting their community, and Hillary's just been sitting idle. She hasn't said a word. She hasn't said a word. So until such time that any of us have an understanding, even where we could gauge what, in fact, her agenda is for America, let alone African-Americans, that is going to be a difficult thing to process. Because if we had some indication as to the role of the Hillary effect, then we can comfortably believe that these practices committed by these types of law firms and others who go as so far as to engage in money laundering, which I think if the feds get, dig deep in these type of pockets, they're going to come up with anything. That in that regard, can we trust her? 
Can we trust that if she become president of the United States, knowing these types of abuses by Walmart, that she's going to do something about it? She's been very boastful about being the first woman who's quote-unquote nominated, which, you know, we have Shirley Chisholm and a host of other black women who've taken the step with the leap to become president of the United States. But for purposes of addressment herein, she's received this nomination. She will successfully run for president of the United States in a female capacity. And in that regard, setting aside her gender, what is her agenda for dealing with these types of abuses and fraudulent practices? And how can we trust that the very people who have financed her campaign and created the platform for her, that that's not going to be a conflict as to what she will or will not do. And so whether you're black, white, or just right standing, the appropriate thing would be to seek that these type of operations that committed by these types of attorneys don't happen, that they're not given the pass to live and operate above the law. And why do we have to reflect upon the Hillary effect if she's president? Because Walmart has had a horrible pattern and practice of violating the rights of women. They've had wage gaps based on gender. They've had wage gaps based on race. There have been issues in how they treat their African-American female employees that include everything from firing and terminating those who dye their hair, purporting that they're not natural blondes or natural brunettes and they don't have natural red hair. So these types of pattern and practices and these abuses, labor violations, overtime. And so what will the Hillary effect have on us dealing with a federal probe for RICO violations concerning the abusive tactics that have and continue to be part of Hosen O'Connor and the GT legal practices. What do we do about them? How do we truly address these issues? At one point, you thought you can call upon leadership in these types of law firms because you would think the apple at the top of the tree was doing the right thing. But then you learn that these apples are boys. And they're surely not going to speak out against what the rest of the company is doing. They're just going along to get along so they can continue to belong. And where you have that, you're going to continue to have lawyers covering up knowledge of exposure to toxic products, preventing claimants from receiving compensation accordingly, interfering with presentment of knowledge and information about these particular abuses, and continuing to allow these products to remain in the stream of commerce. Thank you for joining me. And you boys know if you're looking to find me where I could be found. I don't hide behind the blogs and the tweets and the chats or the snapbacks. Thank you.